So thanks for joining us this morning. Um, we're going to take communion together in a little bit. We have been studying as a church the Gospel of Luke. So we've been walking through the story of Jesus as told by a man named, named Luke in the, in the first century. And he wrote down this Gospel, and it's one of the four Gospels you'll find at the beginning of the New Testament in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we are now in Luke chapter 22. We are in the final week of Jesus' life. He has just entered Jerusalem where he will soon be crucified. And today in Luke chapter 22, we will read about where where he sits at a table with uh, his closest followers, his apostles. They they share a meal together this evening, um, and and it begins, it sets in motion uh, the end of his life. And so we're going to read about that in a minute. But the event that Jesus and his apostles set at, called Passover, um, or called uh, uh, the Day of Unleavened Bread, it, it was an event that had been happening for thousands of years. And so let me give a little bit of just a background story that leads into this day of Passover. So a couple thousand years prior to Jesus walking on earth, Uh, The story that we read in the Old Testament is that of God calling a man named Abram into a special relationship. God God came to Abram, whose name will become Abraham. He came to Abram and he said, "Um, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you numerous. Your family is numerous as the sand on, on the seashore. Right? He says, I'm going to make your family numerous, and I'm going to bless you. You will be wealthy. You will be prosperous. You will have the, the choicest of lands here in the area. So I'm going to bless you. But God reiterates over and over in his interaction with this man, Abraham. He says, I will bless you that you can be a blessing to the world, that you will be a blessing to the nations, that my goodness and my love will flow through these Israelite people that the world can know my goodness. Now, the story of the Israelite people uh, is, is a fascinating one, and it tracks through the Old Testament. Um, some 250 years after um, Abram had, had passed, uh, the Israelite people have now found themselves in Egypt, where they were prosperous, uh, where um, they, they became very numerous, like God had promised, um, and, and a pharaoh became fearful of the size and the power of these Israelite people, and so enslaved them. So they became slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years before a man named Moses was born. Now, um, Moses came to the scene uh, in, a, in a fascinating story that we won't go into, that you're welcome to, to pull out your Bible and read more about. But God, later in life, calls Moses uh, to, to set his people free uh, from Egypt, from the world-dominant power, a military force of hundreds of thousands, uh, maybe up into the millions of people in their military force. And so, um, so God says, but Moses, I'm going to use you to set my people free. Now, Moses goes into Egypt equipped uh, simply with his brother, uh, who helps speak for him, Aaron, and, um, and equipped with 10 plagues, 10 signs to battle the gods of Egypt. And so God, uh, through Moses, proving his dominance over the gods of Egypt, takes on the ten primary gods of Egypt in these ten different plagues, proving that the one true God is powerful. This is how God was going to redeem his people, to buy his people up out of this slavery by proving his power and dominance over uh, these people. But Pharaoh was hard-hearted, and uh, he did not let the people go. And so the plagues roll out until the final plague, the most devastating, to be honest, tragic, a a terrible event, um, in which the firstborn of every household in the land was to die. But But God made a covenant with his people, 
Moses uh, spoke to the people saying, here is, here's the way it, it plays out. I, I want you all to sacrifice a lamb, and, and I want your family to share in that meal together. And I want you to take the blood of that lamb, and I want you to paint it over your doorpost. And every household that has that blood of the lamb on it, the angel will pass over, and your house will be spared. You'll, you'll be spared because of the blood of this lamb. And so the evening played out as God, as Moses said it would. The firstborn in all of the Egyptian household perished that night. But God was faithful to his promise, and his people were were passed over. Their homes were passed over from this plague. And so Pharaoh finally says, okay, uh, get out of here. He pushes the Israelite people out, and they leave, and they move towards the promised land that eventually they'll take. So now for 1,500 years after that event, that, that Passover night, every year the Israelite people would celebrate Passover. They would sit around a table and they would eat unleavened bread. They were told, make your bread without leaven because you won't have time for it to rise before you will be rushing out of your homes. And so they would, they would uh, come together and they would, um, and they would share in this Passover meal every year. 1,500 years later, Jesus, in the story we'll be reading today, will be sitting and sharing that Passover meal with his closest followers. Thousands of people have come to Jerusalem for Passover to remember God's bringing them up out of Egypt. So so the Passover meal each year revolved around three primary things, the bread and the wine, uh, the singing of the hymns, and the retelling of the Exodus story. So every year, uh, someone would stand up and recount the story that, that we just heard in brief detail, but in much more detail, they would hear the story again of God's goodness in Israel. So this morning we chose, as we, as we talked about this passage, to, to lay out our morning in more the form of a, in form and feel of a meal. And so I do want to invite you, uh, throughout this, I want this to be a casual environment. Go ahead and grab some bread and, uh, and, and, and eat while we're having this conversation this morning. Feel free to, to, to have something to drink. Uh, this is a time that we do want to experience and to demonstrate um, the, uh, just the experience of a meal and a time together. Um, just as a really practical matter, the small plates are gluten-free, um, and then uh, the crackers and the pita bread is all unleavened. If when we take communion you want to use the unleavened part, you're welcome to do that. So, so that's the way it's laid out for you this morning. Feel free just to enjoy um, as, as we're uh, listening to God's word this morning. In fact, as we get started, we want to make this a communal opportunity. So I'm going to invite you to sit your tables for the next couple minutes. Share an experience in life um, in which you had a significant, joyful experience that revolved around a table. Okay, Just a time in life, it could have been a one-time thing or a meal that your family shares in each year, but share a time that, that you enjoyed an experience around a table with other people. All right. So I see as I look around and I, as I listen, I hear stories of family gatherings. I see smiles and laughing as people reminisce. I imagine it's much like the experience that Jesus and his followers are having around the table. And yet Jesus is about to b- drop a bombshell in this place. Uh, Jesus is now in Jerusalem sitting at the table with his closest followers uh, and, and sharing with them what's known as the Last Supper, his final meal before he will head to the Mount of Olives where he prays, where he's uh, arrested and, and soon after tried and crucified. 
So we'll be in Luke chapter 22, verse 7, and let's read together the first part of our, our text this morning. Then, he, then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They found the things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. You know, the idea of making preparations is, uh, is interesting. If any of you have uh, liked to camp, you know how relaxing it is to sit by a stream and spend time there. But the amount of time in preparation and then tear down again after the event, sometimes you ask yourself, was this really, really worth it, right? And uh, so, so we know about preparations. Uh, but a fascinating story plays out here. As Jesus says, no, it will be largely prepared for us. He sends his followers in. Uh, just acting in faith with a with a kind of a vague and a strange prompt. But he says, I want you to go in and you'll find someone and ask if the teacher, that by, that by the way means a rabbi and his disciples, so a well-esteemed person in the community, there, there's a little bit of reason that someone would say, absolutely, eat in my home, right? And so he says, go on in and, and, and prepare for our Passover meal. Uh, and, and they're led to their place. They prepare the meal. And uh, and then Jesus and his apostles, they reclined at the table. In the first century, often the tables were low at the ground, and they would lay next to them, kind of in a lounging posture. It would be a relaxed environment in, in which they would share a meal and share conversations together. So Jesus is about, though, to tell them not at all what would be expected of a Passover meal. Instead of the story of Egypt... Jesus is about to tell them about his suffering and about to tell them about his crucifixion. Instead of telling about the Passover, he's about to tell them of of his death. He's really going to shake things up. It's incredibly out of place. Remember, this is a 1,500-year-old tradition that they're a part of. For 1,500 years, we have lived out the same rhythm We have baked these same recipes for this day. And many of us who have had church experience in the past know how tradition can become very binding and very important to us. And so Jesus on this day uh, is going to act very out of character. This is a story I shouldn't tell because here's how it starts. Uh, So I was in the shower the other day. That's always a bad start to an illustration, but I have to tell it because I, I think it's, it's funny. Um, and I looked at my wife's shampoo bottle, and, you know, there's not much to do in a shower, so I was reading the shampoo bottle, and it said, made with avocado and olive oil. And I thought, now this is the most ironic thing in the world. I am in, I, I am in the shower to clean off the avocado and olive oil from the excellent sandwich I just ate, and the shampoo bottle in front of me tells me it's made with the exact same ingredients, right? And sometimes you experience things in life that are just so out of place that, that 
They cause you to laugh, or they cause you to wonder. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is accomplishing and doing here in our text as it continues. So Luke chapter 22, verse 15, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You know, normally at Passover, they would have told the story of Exodus and of the Passover lamb. But Jesus takes and he begins to introduce to his followers an entirely new understanding. That his blood, that he, the Passover lamb, would be the sacrifice made for them, for us. Jesus begins to introduce a whole new concept born out of the understanding of Passover and the lamb saying, I am the Passover lamb. But if you've been tracking with us through Luke, uh, we'd remember that, that his apostles are yet to understand what this kingdom of God is that is coming. They still hope for and expect a kingdom that is earthly. They still hope that, that the oppression of the Romans will be thrown off and Jesus will be their king and rule again in an earthly respect. And, and Jesus, I can only imagine his desperation as he realizes their misunderstanding, speaks of his suffering, and yet they continue to rejoice and hope for this earthly king. In fact, we won't take the time today, but if we were to read on the very next verses in in Luke chapter 22, we'll tell the story of his apostles arguing over who's going to be greatest in this new kingdom, right? Jesus is going to be king, and I'm going to sit at his right hand, and I'm going to rule, and they're really excited about this. But Jesus here, he speaks of suffering. He speaks of a kingdom in which the least will be most, and the most will be least, right? So Jesus speaks of his suffering as they sit at the table. He speaks of this kingdom that is and is to come, and he speaks of himself as the Passover lamb. And you can imagine that hopeless moment as Jesus knows what is coming. It's fascinating to me what Jesus does in this moment of hopelessness, and you you might know hopelessness. Uh, my, do- my dog is 15 years old, and uh, while camping this last week, uh, we were on a walk. And um, for one of three times during the week, actually, but, but this one significant, he lost his balance, and he fell down like a 10- to 12-foot embankment with big boulders. And um, there was this moment of hopelessness where there was nothing I could do to correct the situation. There, there was nothing that could be done to change what was happening. So I made it down, and, and I picked him up, and he, he wasn't whimpering. He seemed okay, and I brought him up, and I set him on the trail, and, and he, he walked just as poorly as he had before falling down the cliff. So I, I, I'm thankful to God for the way it played out. But I remember this moment of hopelessness. And I imagine Jesus reclining at the table here, 
um, and, and playful, joyful conversation. I mean, even conversation of what is to come and we're going to be rulers and Jesus in this moment of crisis, realizing how far from reality their perspective was, knowing that soon he would hang on this cross, soon that he would give his life for these very people that have yet to understand what is happening. And, and, and so here's what Jesus does, and it's fascinating to me because it, it's so simple and yet so beautiful. He says to these 12 followers who have yet to understand the plan as it will play out, he says, he he picks up a piece of bread, and he breaks it, and he says, I want you to remember me. When you break bread, remember me. And he says, when you drink of the fruit of the vine, I want you to remember my blood that will be shed for you. It's so simple. It's so everyday, and it's so ordinary. And yet, Jesus says to these people that have yet to fully realize and fully be transformed by the power of the death and resurrection that is to come, he says, well, here's what you need, this little morsel, as simple as bread and the juice that you drink, he says, I want you to remember me in the day-to-day moments of life. Because after he's crucified, they'll lose hope. And they'll spend days lost before the resurrection. They'll be confused when he rises from the dead. But in time, communion will come to be a central way in which his church celebrates his death and his resurrection and the hope found in it because they remembered. You know, there's something about remembering and and experiencing something in a physical way that has a spiritual meaning, that takes us deeper into the story. And maybe that's why Jesus introduces this communion concept with bread and with juice, because as we live it out, we experience it anew. It, it, it's reintroduced to us. It's, we're re-enlightened by the power of what has happened when we experience it. And so Christ told his followers, I want you to remember me, and I want you to take communion as you do. There's something beautiful that happens around the communion table, because communion revolves around two things. It revolves around remembering Jesus, and it revolves around communion, community, right? And and so, so Jesus invites people to take communion together to publicly and together proclaim his death and his resurrection and and the hope found in it. And so there's something beautiful that happens at this table. Remember, his apostles arguing about who will be greatest. But at the communion table, uh, the higher brought down and the lower brought up, the fields are leveled. See, at the communion table, we remember Jesus as a sacrifice, his blood as the hope for us. And in that, everyone is equal. And so I want you to hear this today as we, um, as we take communion together in a minute. I want you to hear this, that God loves you deeply, that you are inherently good and beautiful, and God loves you deeply. And it's demonstrated in his sacrifice. It's demonstrated in his blood. And as we take this today, we remember that I am loved by God. We remember that the people around the table with me are loved by God, that, that humanity, when created, God said, it is good, and God still desires to be restored to beautiful relationship with his good creation. He still invites us to know his love. So in, in just a moment, we're going to take communion. I'd invite you in a moment, um, we'll, we'll start by breaking the bread together, 
and uh, and sharing in that at our tables. And then we'll we'll pour uh, the juice. And someone's welcome to, to grab that and pour for everyone at the table if you'd like to. Whatever's easiest for you at your table. Um, and, and we'll take that in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice. And there's going to be some music playing, and we're going to give ourselves the length of that song just to reflect on communion. If uh, if at your table. Uh, you have something you'd like to share with the group you're welcome to, but we're perfectly welcome to sit in silence, listen to a song, share in communion this morning as we remember Jesus, as we remember his love for us, as we remember his sacrifice. Let's share in communion together. Um, After we break the bread uh, and uh, and pour the juice, uh, I'll pray over us as then we, we begin our communion time. Let's pray over this together. Father, we thank you for this bread here this morning. We thank you for this fruit of the vine uh, in which we remember a broken body and blood shed. Father, a sacrifice um, for us that was undeserved but was born of love and invites us to know hope. So, Father, as we remember Jesus, Father, um, give us each uh, fond memories. Give us each visions of new life and hope that's born out of resurrection. Father, help us to remember uh, his goodness. Help us to remember your love for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Having remembered uh, Jesus and his sacrifice as we took communion together, thank you, that was a beautiful experience, but having remembered it, I want to invite us as we close out today to remember that his sacrifice did not end in death, but led to resurrection, and uh, and the beautiful thing is that having sat in a meditative sense and reflected, remembered his sacrifice, invites us not to stillness, but invites us into participation with him, invites us into a life of, of beautiful participation in the good things that God is doing in the world around us. So, well, communion this morning was meditative. Uh, I, I would invite us to realize that it is a joyful experience. And born of that remembering, born of that meditation is then an opportunity to go and live joyfully. Right? It's, it's a celebration, not just a suffering, but a celebration in resurrection and new life. Invite us in the week to come to know God's love and newness, to remember Jesus' sacrifice, and to live in that. Let's pray about that as we close out. Father, thank you for this time, and thank you for this day. Thank you for a time to share in communion together, um, to read of uh, Jesus and, and his uh, final moments and final meal with his followers, and Father, to reflect on the fact that now for 2,000 years, we have continued to remember him uh, in, in, in the bread and in the fruit of the vine. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, and thank you for the invitation um, to share your love with the world around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Friends, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I want to remind you that Saturday is going to be our school, uh, back to school school party. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and, uh, and I hope that you'll be able to join us for that. Got a, got a number of service projects coming up, one of which, uh, Jeff Priest has helped us plan. It's a appreciation luncheon for, uh, Kennewick police officers, uh, which we think is just a great way to show the community that we love and to support some people that, um, work very hard jobs <laughs> and don't do it perfectly and we get to love anyways, right? Right? In the culture in which we live, that's, that's a cool opportunity. So we, we hope you keep your eye on some of those upcoming events 